Welcome to the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. This podcast was created as a way to provide education and connection to the women of Middle Tennessee. My goal is to connect you with local women's health and fitness providers so you know what services are available in your area. I am your host, Amy Bailey. I'm a local women's health physical therapist, yoga instructor, and life coach. Thank you for joining the podcast and being a part of this amazing community. Welcome to another edition of the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Bailey, and I have Emily Sullivan with me today again. This is the second time I brought her on. Hey, Emily. Howdy. Hey. (laughs) So glad to have you. I'm very excited about this episode. We kind of teased it last time you were on, but we're going to talk about women and sexuality, which Mm -hmm. is such a hot topic with my clients. Um, We were talking before the podcast and you know, people come to me with all sorts of what I think is unrelated issues to sexuality. And within the first or second visit, I'm hearing about their sex life or their lack of sex life or how they feel about sex. So it's um, such a predominant conversation that people don't have with each other. So I think us bringing it to light maybe can open up the conversation better. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I love that so much. And I think there's such, you know, we're, we're learning more about the mind-body connection but there's so many ways that our body keeps score of our emotional state of our emotional wounds, our insecurities and, and bodies can present symptoms that seem unrelated to emotional or relationship issues, but uh, very well may be related and, and tuning in to our sexuality um, or giving ourselves permission to even tune into it and expand in that part of our lives could help could have ripple effects to relationships to physical symptoms to emotional health um i kind of see it as what is that lord of the rings one ring to rule them all Mm. (laughs) i see see our our sexuality as something that really it's like this foundational aspect of of our happiness of our relationship connection of our ability to connect with ourselves that is so overlooked and it could really positively impact things um, if we just take some time to invest in it. I think it's such a primal need that women forget that we have. Yeah. Um, Yes. We're so busy and it gets shoved to the bottom and there's so Mm -hmm. many expectations around sex in our culture and with Mm -hmm. men, it's just out there. We all know how they feel about it. Uh Uh-huh. And it doesn't get talked about as much as women's feelings about it or how we even should feel or that we shouldn't mm-hmm. have those needs. Yes. Amy, do you, do you and your girlfriends talk about sex? Probably not as much as we should. I think uh-huh. I talk more with my clients about sex than my actual friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. So friends are <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I, I think that's, that's <laughs> probably most women's experience. Um, we just kind of, we're going to gloss over that part of our lives. And of course, you know, there's intimate details that, you know, wouldn't, maybe you wouldn't want to share outside of your partnership, but just the insecurities or the, just being more vulnerable with girlfriends Mm -hmm. could be helpful to help us realize that we're all normal. And, oh my goodness. And there's so many cultural messages you just said, you know, with men, it's out there, but women, we, we forget about it. And actually we have the same need and drive. We've just been taught to favor. Okay. 
I'm going to dive right in here with something. Okay. So we have, our culture has been, has treated sex. um, It's very like male centric. So, so sex is intercourse and, and that, cause that's, that's what really works for men. Um, and for women, there's a lot more complexity. Um, we, we need a more context, like we need our context to be different. So we need to, the conditions kind of need to be right in, um, our environment, um, and things like that. And we're not given a lot of attention to that because culture has, uh, prioritized or, I mean, you know, Hollywood or, um, porn, like it's prioritized. It's, you know, penis and vagina intercourse. And um, if that's not what works for a woman, then something's wrong with the woman. And then the woman's not going to desire it because, well, that's not exactly how it works for me. Whereas, you know, women are slow cookers. We need a lot more context and, um, you know, uh, foreplay, touch, things like that, that um, we will downplay for ourselves and won't ask for that for ourselves, won't advocate for that. And then it's not going to, and then we're not, it's not going to be a priority because if it's not like really working for us, if it's kind of like that male centric, um, way of doing it, (laughs) then, you know, then it, it, it's not really working for us, um, in the way that, um, could be really great and could help us want to like prioritize it. So how do we shift that conversation? Okay. So I'm looking over to some notes. Um, okay. I think, well, sex is about connecting. It's all about connection and the primary connection is with ourselves. So we start with connecting with ourselves and, you know, I think on the basic level, it starts with us validating that whatever is there for us with sexually is normal and okay. Mm -hmm. Like everything, whatever we uh, our, our, our desire, our libido, you know, uh, what we fantasize about the way that we, we like things, you know, our, our pleasure template, like it's all okay. You know, just like we have as individuals, as human individuals, we have different appetites for different kinds of food. Some of us like, you know, pizza, some of us don't. And, you know, it's, it just varies. And with sex, we have different sexual templates and it's not going to look the same for each person. And so getting to know, giving ourselves permission to kind of get to know what our template is, what, um, um, again, and what we can talk more specifically, actually, um, there's three kind of areas to address to figure out what our template is. Okay. But, um, but just the giving ourselves permission, I think to start, um, knowing that like, Oh, I have my own appetites, so to speak. And it's okay for me to try to figure out what that is. Yeah. And I think that's really hard for a lot of women because we have so mm-hmm. guilt and shame. So mm-hmm. image issues, maybe even. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that goes into some sex, sexual problems and, and I'm doing this because I'm about to introduce um, breaks and accelerator. Um, and this is an idea um, from, I have a book, Emily Nagoski. This is a really great book called Come As You Are. Part of this book. I need to read it. It is phenomenal for women and their partners. Um, But 
you know, the premise is that our brain is our biggest sex organ and what is sexually relevant, um, uh, the brain determines what is. So, you know, your husband comes and like kind of scratches your back and that can be maybe tickles your back or something that, and that can be pleasurable if it's in the context of you guys have been kind of loving and flirty that day, or it can be like, irritating and even kind of a harsh feeling if you've just had an argument. Mm -hmm. So it's very context dependent and our brains can um, determine how we interpret our context. So I'm going to talk about um, with the brain being our biggest sexual organ, we have um, arousal or um, what is it? We have a sexual inhibition system and a sexual excitation system, also known as brakes and accelerator. So, um, women actually tend to not have, we think maybe we have lower libido, but we, we actually are accelerators are actually usually pretty similar to, to men's or it's not our accelerators that are broken. It's usually that our brakes, we've just like, we've got our pedal, our foot all the way down on the brake plus emergency breakup. Like it's usually the braking system that needs to be addressed. In other words, removing the barriers to being able to experience what's already there, the desire that is already there. Um, so, so, uh, so that's kind of the area that I would focus on most. Cause again, usually it's the, the accelerator, the sexual excitation system, um, things that kind of like get us interested or, you know, turn us on. Um, that's always working most of the time. Okay. It's the brakes that are just too overactive. Yes. That makes sense. <laughs> so uh-huh. And so it's, so I think that's really helpful for couples to know. It's not that, that the woman, if, if she's struggling with low desire, it's not that she doesn't desire her partner or doesn't desire sex. It's most likely that she just has all these breaks, all these ways of inhibiting her desire. Um, and so some of those are, those are, um, gosh, anything from, uh, body image, feeling about our body or feeling about performance, you know, insecurities about that, um, feeling desired versus feeling used by a partner. Yeah. So if we feel like, yeah, he, he's just using me, then the brakes are going to go up. And a lot of times we project that onto men. I hear this a lot with my clients, um, women I work with. Uh, and helping them with, you know, navigate relationship difficulties, you know, they'll say, well, well, men just want sex. He just wants me for sex. And what we don't realize is actually they really want connection. Like he wants to be with you because he loves you and wants you, um, not just like a physical release. Um, so that's usually, um, that's a, a, um, a false narrative that we have created. Um, other breaks that we put on are our to-do list, like, you know, putting so much pressure on ourselves to have to like meet some expectation that legitimately does not matter if we get through the 20 things on our to-do list, but we've made it super important. Um, so giving ourselves more permission to be more flexible can help ease up on the breaks. Um, if we have kids, you know, that can be a breaking system. Either we're stressed out or we're worried that will be interrupted. So 
creating a context where to minimize the braking system. Um, other things like that can put on the brakes are, you know, there's like unfolded laundry on the bed and like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to just go jump on that. You know, we want like there to be an entire <laughs> environment, um, you know, light a candle, like make the environment um, more conducive to easing up on the brakes. Um, and that, the one more thing I'll say about that is that when we, um, there's a saying um, in, in therapy that um, foreplay begins right after the last orgasm. Hmm. So, um, and this goes into how, how women, we are slow cookers, men tend to be frying pans. And so they're like sexually relevant stimuli. I come home, see my wife, boom, yes, hot, want that. <laughs> and women, we need, again, like right after the last experience, let's start um, showing affection and talking and and then throughout, you know, the next day and texting and, you know, there's so much that helps build that slow cooker. Um, and so if we know that that's what we need, um, again, we're not wired the same way men are. And, and so instead of trying to fit ourselves into this male centric way of, of doing sex, owning that it takes us, there's a lot that we need, not because we're wrong or broken, but that's just how we're wired to help um, help us to have, help us to ease up on, on the brakes and be able to respond to the desire, the accelerator that's already there. So how can we get that message out? Because I think a lot of us just expect our partner to know that. Yes. Um, yes, <laughs> we do. <laughs> Why do we do that? Like we, when we stop and think about it, we know they're not mind readers. Um, but yes, I think we all do that to some extent. Okay, well, that goes to vulnerability, really, because um, if we don't advocate, well, one, if we don't even know what we need right. to have a, a satisfying sex life, um, then it's easy to want to blame the other person because then then we don't have to take responsibility for our own sexuality. But like I said at the very beginning, our uh, our sex, a great sex life, starts with ourselves and connecting with ourselves. So we, we play small and when we, when we put it on the partner to just know, and when we're doing ourselves a disservice, cause we're missing the opportunity to really connect with ourselves. I like that. Which, re which requires vulnerability. You know, it, it is actually really vulnerable to have to say, give myself permission to ask, well, what do I even, what is my, I keep calling it a template, but you know, like what kind of works for me um and to admit that like maybe we don't even know we have no idea right. <laughs> so um let's see um i i i want i'll probably say this you know throughout but i just want to keep emphasizing that nothing is wrong with you nothing is wrong nothing is wrong with you your breaks might be overactive but that's not, that's not wrong. Like, that's just how you have responded to a culture that tells you um, it, your sexuality should look like this. It should look like you can go really, you're in the mood as soon as your male partner is. And of course, we're talking about heterosexual sex um, in this. 
but you're ready to go as soon as your male partner is, it needs to be pleasurable with intercourse, you know? Um, and so the fact that if that doesn't work exactly for you, it's not because nothing, because anything is wrong with you. It's because you are a different human being and you're wired differently. Um, and another thing I want to emphasize is that problems with sex are signposts that these are areas of growth. Mm, okay. That either we need to change our context or our mindset. So our context, meaning, okay, get that laundry off the bed, you know, make the, the context a little more pleasurable, put the kids to bed, you know, that, or go get a hotel from time to time, those kind of things, or our mindset, which includes stop it, assuming that our partner should know what to do that our partner or that if he, if he's not doing what we like or not making the conditions perfect for us, that somehow it means that he doesn't love us because we tend to go there. I think there's a lot of self-talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. We assume certain things if our needs aren't getting met the way we think they should be met. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Amy, you mentioned before the podcast started that you're an introvert, which <laughs> yeah, I think is fabulous that you are putting yourself out there, you know, with your business and um, your social media campaign and your podcasting, like, that's really stretching you. Oh yeah. And, Every day, and something I'm scared to do. Every day. Yeah, that's so fabulous. And I think that is exactly like how our sexuality is. We are, we're wired a certain way, just like we're kind of an introvert or an extrovert. That's just how we are. But within that, there's so much room for expansion and growth. And so, um, you know, it. And it's so valuable to give ourselves permission to do the work of expanding and growing because, um, let's see, because relationships are human growing machines and the sexual aspect of our of a, a romantic relationship is where the most growth can happen. Because that's when, you know, we have to, that's what it forces us to confront our own insecurities the stories we tell ourselves, our blind spots, things like that. Yeah. I think that's so interesting um, because as far as my like being an introvert and putting myself out there, I had to sit down with myself and say, this is what I want out of my life. And in mm -hmm. order to get there, I have to continually throw myself out of the nest, you know? So I think okay. from a sex standpoint in our relationship, like we want our relationship to look a certain way. We have to mm -hmm. like, yeah, be vulnerable and kind of put ourselves out there. Yes. That's such a, oh. yeah, that's such a great um, parallel. I think um, when it comes to what, 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 what problems we might be having mm -hmm. uh, in our sex life. Um, again, like I said, the problem is a signpost for what the growth, uh, the area of growth that's necessary. Um, it's kind of calling us to our higher self and embedded in the problem is the solution if we're willing uh, to, to kind of dig deep and listen to the information. So for example, uh, let's say a, a wife, um, I'm trying to be kind of more general with this. Let's say a wife um, isn't, um, isn't wanting 
or isn't feeling desire for her husband. And, and maybe it comes like once things get started, but it's never like spontaneous. She never thinks about it during the day. I think this is a, probably a common one. Very common. Okay. So that's a problem because then maybe he's feeling kind of alone and not connected to her. Um, and then maybe he's kind of grumpy or withdrawing. And then she's like, well, I'm not going to want it if you're grumpy and withdrawing. But embedded in that problem is the solution, which is she needs to feel more connected in order to, to ease up on the brakes. And so, um, but again, starting with herself, she's got to start to notice what helps her feel more connected um, and advocate for that. Yeah. So. Um, I think we are all capable of having like really connected, fulfilling sex lives, but it's, but it's a matter of looking at, well, where are problem areas and what am I doing that's contributing to that um, instead of blaming the partner and, and how can I, there's a need that I have that's not getting met or needs and figuring out what those are and then advocating for those needs to get met. That Michael Jackson song, Man in the Mirror, is coming to my head. You know, like it starts with us. We have to make the change. And I think a lot of times we do look. <laughs> we look external things like, oh, I'm too busy. Um, my partner didn't do this. You know, instead of actually going back and seeing what we need and being vulnerable and asking for what we need then. Yes. Yes. So can I, can I talk about like um, three let's see, three aspects of sex to kind of look at if we're, if we're, especially if we're struggling, okay, it's going to lie, the solution, the problem and the solution will lie in one or all of these three. Okay. Um, so we've, sex is related to our brain, our heart and our body. And so when there is a disconnect or a problem, it will lie somewhere with, you know, the brain, the heart or the body and I'll dive into each. Is that okay? That's great. Okay. So with the brain, um, that's kind of the strategy. That's kind of the knowing how I work, knowing how my partner works. And that takes some exploration of myself, of, of the partner in communication. And um, the thing that uh, along these lines, um, we are, again, our culture and porn do us a disservice because they create different expectations that are not accurate. Um, they're, they're not con congruent with like a deeply connected, um, healthy relationship. And I'll say something about porn. The problem with porn isn't what it shows. It's what it doesn't show. It's that it's not telling you what is actually needed to make sex great. Um, and it sets unrealistic expectations. It's just showing, you know, just the, the, the physical, um, uh, what's the word, um, the pleasurable aspect, but without like in a great relationship, all the context of what that, what is required and the communication and the, um, you know, the foreplay that started after the last orgasm, you yeah. know, all of that. And so it, it doesn't teach anything about like healthy relationship for sex. Right. So, so that serves one purpose, just that. <laughs> it's entertainment is yeah, all it is. Yeah. Um, Not what most of its experience on a day-to-day -day through a lifespan type of yes. 
next life, maybe. Yeah, so it's prob problematic when it creates expectations that it should be something like that, when it, it porn leaves out the whole relational aspect mm -hmm. uh, that truly connected sex can have or that needs to yeah. be connected. So, so anyway, so that's just a little bit about the brain and how if our expectations, um, maybe checking our expectations because that could be influencing if our brakes are too heavy. Okay. Sex. And then we've got heart. Um, so sex is not just a physical act. We're not like rabbits or animals, you know, where that's like just a physical act. It's an emotional bonding act. And we need, and emotion is super important to good sex. We need to feel safe in order to get aroused. Um, I've heard it said that if you leave emotion out or if you, if you don't address the need for safety, it's like trying to dance without music. Like it's kind of like, like technically you can do it, but it's just not like the whole, you know, a rich experience. Um, now for women, what that means is that if emotion is so important to keep us safe, we've got to be listening to our own, own emotions. Um, what are our own emotional signals that are telling us this is what I need to feel safe and cared for and connected? Um, and that requires us to be open and vulnerable and ask for, you know what, I really like we got started with this. I thought this was what I was wanting, but you know what? I'm, I'm hearing the kids running around. Like, can we just take, can we take a break and go put them to bed? And then, you know, cause so I'll feel safer. It's, it's those kind of things, you know, listening to that little, not overriding those little things that are like, Ooh, all of a sudden I, I'm not feeling totally safe. What, what do I need to feel safe? Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. um, another thing, a way that we, can listen to our heart is advocating for ways that we need to feel touched or loved and connected outside the bedroom. Cause that's part of the, the foreplay that started after the last orgasm. Wow. Um, so, you know, just saying, gosh, it means so much to me when you just kind of walk by me and like rub your hand on the small of my back or you, um, you know, you take time to just stop and give me a hug, you know, here and there, or, you know, those things, again, we, um, the male centric view of sex is the more like light switch or frying pan. And we just need different, we have different needs. And, um, so learning that, like, I feel a lot more, it helps take my brakes off when you do all these things, you know, or when you do X, Y, and Z, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I feel more safe and connected. It's a buildup. And I think most of us think it's a buildup just from the minute we initiate sex but it's really like mm -hmm. on the last orgasm, which is something I've never thought about. That's mm -hmm. I like that, that perspective of thinking about mm -hmm. it's a continuous building yes. of connection. Yes. Yeah. Right. And then the last part aspect of sex is the body. So we did brain, heart, and body. And, um, and that requires sometimes this, sometimes this can be the most vulnerable for women. Um, giving ourselves permission to tune into our body and the kind of touch that is, that we like, not just in sex, but any, anytime else that like, you know, I just love having my feet rubbed and that means a lot, for example. Um, so asking for that. Um, also side note, men need touch too. 
Mm. And we do men a huge disservice when we perpetuate the the story that all they want is sex and they just want the physical release because they actually really want connection and sex is a way that they can get connection. But they also really love, um, I think way more men than we give them credit for, you know, little small touches, you know, outside the bedroom too. Yeah. I think that's but a really good point to bring up. Yeah. I think as boys, they learn that like, Oh, that's kind of like a girl thing. And, you know, so they kind of, they kind of also maybe tell themselves they don't need it, but, but they really do. Um, okay. So, so yeah, the body, I guess what I'm saying is, um, tuning into ourselves, the kind of touch and, and ways that we respond. And then also tuning into our partner and recognizing that there might be more touch, needs for touch than we realize and that they realize too. So, um, yes. Yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to say about, um, brain heart and body. And then I want to definitely get on to like vulnerability and shame. And maybe that could be like the last yeah. thing to talk about. Yes. Go for it. I don't want to interrupt you because you've got all the good juice here. Okay. Well, yeah, no, absolutely interrupt me at any time. If you have any questions or comments. So, okay. Um, so again, going back to that um, arousal pattern of brakes and accelerator, um, and how for women, we tend to just be way overactive on, on those breaks <laughs> and, um, and that it's not arousal. That's the problem or lack of arousal. It's that the breaks are just, again, like pedal to the floor plus the e-brake on, you know, constantly. <laughs> um, okay. So one of the things that's like the biggest, um, break and I think this also kind of is an arousal killer is shame and having shame about um our emotional needs our body um you know and shame really shame is hell when you're living in shame because you're not only cut off from yourself um and you want to kind of hide and but then also you don't like yourself it's not just like oh, I want I want to kind of um, I want to be disconnected from myself. Um, it's also, and I don't like myself because of that. Yeah. So have, have you heard, um, Brene Brown, she differentiates shame and guilt. Um, and she says guilt is I did something wrong and shame is I am wrong. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can, so, when you say it, I can like feel how people would feel mm, on different emotions. That's heavy. Yes. Yeah, it is heavy. It is heavy. And the I am wrong. Um, it, it's just so laden with self judgment that and that makes us feel really shut down and inhibited. Mm -hmm. If something's wrong with me, then um, then I'm, I'm not even going to try to put myself out there. Um, I'm going to stay shame really keeps us stuck. Um, and, you know, as I think in our culture, we do a really great job of shaming sexuality in both boys and girls. Yeah. So a lot of us are raised in cultures 
um, families or, you know, where there is some sort of shame around sexuality. Um, And especially about in our bodies. If we think about, okay, um, as a little girl, think about Amy, how you felt, because I think most of us have this experience of little girl and um, how it felt just to kind of run around and play outside. And just that like, feeling of like freedom and joy and it just feels so amazing to be in your body or climb on the monkey bars. I see that. Yeah. Yes. And that's us being just fully embodied and our bodies are a vehicle to like enjoy life. And there's no shame in that. There's um, no, no um, inhibition. It's yes. So um, somewhere along the way, ideally that's how sex would be we would connect with ourselves that way with sex, just like fully feels amazing to be in my body. No shame. Just like running barefoot through the grass as a kid. So the shame, you know, disconnects us from ourselves, makes us feel wrong and bad. Um, I shouldn't have these feelings or I shouldn't, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of, of the cultural messages that keep us stuck. Sure. So the antidote to shame well, for women, a lot of times I think the shame is um, through appearance and, well, I don't know, there can be a lot of things. I think men tend to have shame with performance, mm-hmm. you know, because there's expectations of certain performance. Um, but the antidote to shame is is bringing it to light, you know, because shame is, it breeds in secrecy and isolation. So it's a matter of bringing to light, you know what, I feel really insecure about my body or I feel insecure about these feelings I'm having or about these fantasies or about, you know, bring it to light is what helps us work through it. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. And I think I've seen it from a body perspective. I'm thinking about just boobs. So, you know, you have some uh, anxiety about that. And then I have friends who've always been large chested and they felt the exact same way I did for the opposite reason. Uh-huh. And, embarrassed to take off their clothes and be naked with their partner because of too big, too small, too this, too that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And so just the naming it with the part. So if you were to have, let's say that, that shame around, um, around chest size and you just held on to it, you would, you would be kind of contracting it on yourself and kind of withdrawing into yourself, you know, pulling back, not as, connected to your partner because you weren't you weren't fully giving yourself permission to be just how you are yeah so the the way to work through that and not have that be a barrier is to just bring it to light and um you know talk about it with a partner you know ideally a partner who is safe to talk about those kind of things but just saying you know I'm just really insecure about my chest and I find that I'm kind of wanting to hold back or I'm not wanting to get undressed And um, the the talking through it is what would help you guys have more connection, which then leads to better sex life anyway. Yeah. You know, and I hear this, I'm thinking about my clients, what's going through my head. Like that was kind of a friend example. I think about my clients postpartum. Their body oh, yeah. doesn't look like it did before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just that shame of, oh, I still look pregnant or, you know, mm-hmm just so many things wrapped up in our heads about how we're supposed to look mm-hmm. and just having that conversation. And, and <laughs> most men I know don't care. <laughs> you 
Exactly. <laughs> and it's not that they just want the physical release or, but yeah. they want that connection and they don't care. They've chosen their partner for a reason. And, you know, it's not just about the physical attraction. It's about the mind, body, soul attraction. And they want all of that with her. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so, but she, you know, if she's stuck on her own shame about her body image, then she's, you know, uh, she's not able to connect with him, mind, body, soul. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. She's putting on the brakes, like you said. Uh-huh. So, um, when there's shame, when we're insecure about something, bringing it to light is the antidote. And that requires vulnerability. Um, vulnerability, not meaning weakness, but meaning um, showing our full self, including the parts that we're ashamed of. Um, and vulnerability, honestly, is the key to great sex, being able to be vulnerable, both for men and women. Um, if you if you try leaving vulnerability out of sex, then you have avoidance, and you know, and then you kind of retreat into yourself, and that creates distance in the relationship and in the sex life. So, vulnerability really is the key to great sex. It's not technique, <laughs> it's not performance. It really isn't. Yeah. Um. It's not, and it isn't even like are all the conditions perfect? It boils down to can I stand, can I be vulnerable enough to share, you know, my, my barriers to being more fully present? And then can I like, can I advocate for, okay, can we work through some of these barriers and um, so that I can be more fully present with you? Yeah. I love that makes sense. Just tracking mm -hmm. it from vulnerability to avoidance to being distant. Mm -hmm. I like how you put that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, so back to your postpartum thing, I totally get that. I've lived that three times right. over <laughs> and <laughs> yes. And it's, um, Oh goodness. Self-compassion is, can be really that that's so important for, um, postpartum moms, um, to self-compassion and, I like the, I like the kind of the mantra, rewrite the script. So you had, you had a narrative of your life before that was, um, uh, you know, you were able to achieve certain things and your life looked a certain way. You, you were, you had certain expectations and you were maybe able to fulfill those. And then you had this baby and it's a different script. It's a totally, and, and it's probably different than you even imagined it would be. Usually it's harder than we ever imagined. Um, especially being a first time mom. Um, and so giving ourselves permission to rewrite the script. So even the script of my body should look a certain way. Well, you know what? It doesn't. So the new narrative, this new chapter looks like my body is this way. And how can I find, you know, joy and, um, uh, how can I celebrate, find, find, um, things to celebrate about it being this way? Um, anyway, so, so that's a whole kind of another, that's where I, that's where I would work with my clients, my postpartum clients on that mental side of like how, how to rewrite the script and what is your new script? Um, does that make sense? 
Yeah, I think you're right. We could go down a rabbit hole with that. I think it's important for people to hear. So I'm glad we touched mm -hmm. on it though. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, looking, I have three children too. And now looking back, the things I would have told myself at 30 when I had my first job, uh -huh. <laughs> I can see things more clearly now. And what I thought was important then, you know, now you have some more perspective, three kids later, yes. you know, but um, yes. I think it's important, like you said, for first time moms or new moms to hear that they might need to rewrite the script. Yes. Yes, and I think um, what what when you were talking, I, I was reminded of um, of some of my experiences postpartum, and how dwelling on body image or not being able to fulfill my to do list, like staying in a place of a state of anxiety, um, and and self judgment, was actually a distraction from me being vulnerable with myself, because mm -hmm. really deeper underlying that was. I'm overwhelmed. Um, I'm sad, you know, about um, this being harder <laughs> than I thought it would be. You know, there were more uh, deeper, more vulnerable emotions that I was distracting myself from because that was really hard to feel and, and admit that I had those feelings. I would distract myself with the anxieties or the obsession about like my body's not how I want it to be, those kind of things. Yeah. That makes sense. Sorry if you hear a cat meowing. My cat just walked. Oh, it's okay. Heard <laughs> <laughs> shame. What's next? So, yeah. So shame again. Then the antidote is vulnerability. Um, I'm looking through my notes to see if there's anything more that I wanted to say about, you know, shame and and vulnerability. Um, shame breeds fear. Um, oh, what a cute cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so shame breeds fear and where when there's you can't have fear and love okay. at the same time um you know i mean think about dating and you're like starting to date somebody and you're like i'm not sure that this person is fully um there's some fear there are they are can i are they trustworthy you're not going to be able to open your heart to that person and um when we have shame we're afraid of what our partner might think of us um, and when we're afraid, we can't open up fully to loving. So shame and love can't coexist. So that's, um, I think that's just yet another reason to confront our shame our, and, and be willing to be more vulnerable with our partner. So I guess the last thing I could say about vulnerability, um, is, well, what does that look like? Okay. So yeah, I have this shame. I recognize I have body image shame or performance shame or whatever, or I'm ashamed of my, I, I mean, I hear this from women a lot. Um, they're ashamed of how sexual they actually are mm -hmm. because yeah. they've been taught that they're not sexual. And they're like, I think about sex all the time, or I have these fantasies and like whatever, whatever you are sexually, whatever is normal. Again, just like we have different appetites for different foods. You have, your sexual template is unique to you and it's perfectly normal, whatever it is. So the, um, bringing your shame to light so that it can then, um, be more, you can be more connected with your partner. Um, kind of a way I like to introduce doing that is, well, first figuring out what you're ashamed of, um, where the shame is, what it's about, and then starting a conversation with, this is really hard for me to talk about. But starting with the vulnerability, leaning with 
or leading with, um, I'm kind of scared um, about your reaction or um, I, I'm really nervous to bring this up, but this is really important to me. Leading with the vulnerability really invites a conversation that's connecting, you know, and your partner's so much more likely to be really open um, rather than, oh, I just, I just don't like my body. I just, you know, like kind of a complaint. Yeah. Um, being, bring, leaving, uh, leading with our vulnerability, you know, um, about how hard it is to even have that conversation. And I struggle with my body image and um, I'm not sure what I need, but I just want to let you know and, you know, just start acknowledging that to bring so that it can come to light. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think that just, it sounds better and sounds more um, for our partner to understand us better when we say it like Mm -hmm. that, as opposed Mm -hmm. to that blanket, oh, I don't like my body. Because his response is going to be, well, your body is beautiful. But if we believe that about ourselves, Mm -hmm. we don't even hear that side of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's not about our body. Like, again, like I was saying, there's this, the anxieties or shame about body are really just masking deeper. Uh, I feel disconnected from myself. I feel disconnected from my partner. Yeah. So those are kind of just distractions from deeper wounds and needs. So when we say, you know, I'm having a really hard time bringing this up, but I want to talk about it. Um, then that invites the connection that that's the real issue is that we're not feeling connected with ourselves and our partner. So, um, so yeah, having a, a conversation that where we lead with our vulnerability invites that connection better. Yeah, that's good. I'm totally taking notes too, like a nerd over here. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. Um, because when we're not vulnerable, we're in, we're in protective mode. We're trying to protect ourselves. So by saying, I'm going back to the body image one because I think that's so common with women. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we say, oh, I just, oh, I hate my body or, oh, I feel so fat. Um, that's kind of like a defensive, we're not really opening ourselves up to actually receiving our partner's compliments. You know, we're, it's, um, it's a complaint and it's not a, I'm opening myself up to to hearing and really receiving your love and feeling connected. So we do ourselves a disservice when we talk about our shame in those ways, you know? Yeah. And big picture, we might not even hear them when they're saying throughout the week, you know, Oh, that shirt looks great on you or you're beautiful or whatever. (laughs) We've blocked that message, which later on might prevent them from continuing to say that to us. Yes which then stops the foreplay after the orgasm. (laughs) Exactly. 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 Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember after I had my first, um, I, uh, it was about six months later and we were at, at a pool and, um, I was still, um, my, my body was the type of body that really wanted to feed my baby and, thought it needed a lot of extra weight to be able to feed my baby. Yeah. <laughs> so I held, held on to weight for quite a while after each of my kids. Um, so I struggled with that. And I was at this pool and I was 
so fixated on, oh, I don't look like these other moms who have kids, they've had kids and, you know, and when I, um, then there was a moment of real, it was almost like I had had these blinders on and then the blinders were lifted and I realized I'm fixating on like two women and all these other women at the pool are normal bodied women. I'm fixating on these women who are probably, you know, um, probably spend a lot of time and effort into looking the way that they do. Yeah. And um, anyway, that was like, that was a big uh, light bulb moment for me in, in helping me accept myself more when I realized I'm, you know, we're all like, I'm in the range of normal. The range of normal is ginormous. Yeah. And so I'm in that range and I could, it, it helped to ease up the comparison, I think with other people, which then helped get me out of shame. Um, and actually this came about through talking with my partner in that moment of, I said, I feel really insecure. I'm having a hard time wanting to like, uh, like take up, take off my cover up and be in my swimsuit and be with, <laughs> and, and, and then he had pointed out, but you're only fixating on these two women or on, you know, he was like, look at all these other people. So that actually began with me being vulnerable about my insecurities. I think that's great. And that's perspective because there is a range. We're not all going to look like those two women. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Cause there's probably a hundred women or plus there, you know, so yeah. I think we can all understand that. All women. Mm -hmm. We've all been there at some point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Amy, that's kind of like the bullet points that I had wanted to bring up and you know, do you have any questions or things, you know? Yeah. I mean, I love, want to I, I want to just kind of reiterate just kind of how women put on our breaks. I think that's huge. I think that's that important mm -hmm. for people to hear. And just the, um, I love how you centered this around having these conversations with ourselves and making it more about ourself. Yeah. Understanding our bodies, understanding what we like and understanding how to communicate that to our partners. Um, mm -hmm. that's huge. I, I'm so glad you mm -hmm. took this perspective with this talk on sexuality because we could have mm -hmm. gone a million different directions with this talk, you mm -hmm. know? Um, mm -hmm. so I love just that, uh, the mindset change and dealing with it from our own perspective. I kind of want to talk about, um, when we might need to seek counsel and when somebody might come okay. out to you if they're having okay. problems with sexuality. The other thing I don't want to forget to bring up is maybe sexuality. And I know we've been talking for a long time, but sexuality changes through kind of the lifespan too. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yes. Yeah. So uh -huh. maybe touch on both of those. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll do your last thing first and then the first one. So yes, sexuality changes throughout our lifespan for men and women. Um, and, it, it, it grows and changes with us. And that's where our relationship with our own sexuality is really vital so that we, we are kind of in tune with uh, different, uh, different desires, different needs, different uh, interests, different, um, different accelerators, different things that, um, that trigger the arousal system and different things that put on the brakes, you know, getting in tune with those kind of things is yeah. Is helpful. And, and it's really exciting. The fact that it does change throughout our lifespan. Um, 
even if we're with the same partner for 50 years mm-hmm. as we change and if we're in tune with that like it can help create a lot of different uh a lot of variety in yeah. our sexual relationship with a long-term partner i think you know i kind of see people and i think of it as three different stages that like before they've had kids during the muck and the raising the kids and then after they're uh-huh. older and seeing how free generally speaking of course you know that how free things are before and then how hard things are in that middle stage and i think yes. we stuck thinking this is forever i'm never going to have a good sex life again i'm never going to have this communication or free time and then you see i see these women who or their children are a little older and you can see they do have time to explore their sex life again and their husband mm-hmm. again, their desires and mm-hmm. I think just women understanding that it, it changes and that's a good yeah. thing. And to yeah. what you said, accept where you are. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how you worded that, but it was so good. Like rewriting the script. That's what you said uh-huh. as to where you are at that stage. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Because the script is based on where you are right now. It's not based on any shoulds or any cultural messaging. So by starting with, well, this is what's showing up for me now in this phase of my life. Okay, therefore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my sexuality, my sex life around this, what's showing up for me. So uh, in, the, in the kids phase, um, there's um, different, different ways of trying to... Um, cultivate a good sex life that will be different than in the after kids phase. And then going back to vulnerability and especially again in the kids phase, because I think you probably, since you work with postpartum women, you see a lot of that, but leading with vulnerability with a partner of, you know what, sex has just been not a priority for me. And, you know, like that's shifted. Maybe it was more before kids and, um, and I don't know what to do about it you know, being vulnerable enough to say, I, I struggle with this and I don't know what to do about it. And maybe we can, um, have ongoing conversations about, you know, how we can adapt to this new phase that we're in together. Yeah. I love that. I'm seeing a lot of women now, um, and that are in perimenopause and they're getting hormone shifts, but they're also in this, um, it's a different type of stress, but their kids are older. So they're stressed because their kids are a little, um, mm-hmm. less in the house, they have less control. They're worried about them. What are they doing out on the road? Of course, we're all stuck in the house still right now, but mm-hmm. prior to COVID, you know, mm-hmm. and we're about to go off and leave the nest. And so the stress level is still high in these women. And, and I'm hearing a lot of low libido and that age group too. But I think you're mm-hmm. right. Having that vulnerability, that conversation with our partner. Yes. Yes. And, and again, the low libido is most likely related to overactive breaks, mm-hmm. um, which is most likely related to disconnection with their, themselves and really knowing what they need. Whenever I hear anxiety about really kind of anything, you know, I, we've talked about postpartum anxiety about body image and now I can't do all the things that I used to do. I can't keep up with my checklist or empty nest women who have anxieties about their kids, those are distractions from deeper, more, more vulnerable feelings that they, that that's hard to actually want to um, look at and expose and deal with. So maybe there's loneliness. I'm thinking of the, the empty nest mom, mm-hmm. uh, loneliness, maybe 
sadness about her marriage. Maybe it's, you know, now that the kids are gone, it's clear that we're more disconnected than we had thought. Um, and maybe it's fear about her own aging process, you know, but instead of dealing with those feelings, it's easier to worry about my kids and are they doing what they should be doing and whatever, all that stuff. Yeah. So bringing it back so. to us and self-care with what we need yeah. in the different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not selfish. I mean, we can't help our children, our spouse, our anybody in our lives unless we're also including ourselves and taking care of ourselves. Yes, exactly. Okay. So what about when someone might need to reach out to someone else? Okay. So for counseling, um, I think a really great sign uh, uh, is that you're stuck. If you're having the same conversations over and over with your partner and it's just not getting anywhere, or if you're having the same emotional patterns come up again and again, uh, emotional patterns that are distressing, that are not, you know, that aren't helping you live the, your best life, like anxiety, like you're constantly worrying about a kid or, um, the stuckness, the, the sense of, mm, this has been going on for a long time and it seems to be the same. Nothing's really shifting and moving. I think the stuckness is a great clue that uh, professional help could really help shift things for you. Um, most of the women I work with don't have a diagno uh, mental health diagnosis. They are, you know, women going through life transitions like empty nester or um, postpartum, you know, it's, it's things just dealing with like life stuff and, and they just kind of feel stuck. Um, another really good indicator that professional help could be helpful is when they realize there's a lot of negative self-talk that they're really holding themselves back from living their best life because of, um, how they view themselves. And that's something that is fixable. Um, but usually we need that outside party to help us, you know, change the way that we talk to ourselves. Yeah. I love that. And, and it's not a bad thing to reach out to someone. I think. Oh yeah. Definitely. No, I think that stigma <laughs> is being broken down, but I still just mm -hmm. want to say it, you know, if you're mm -hmm. having this conversation over and over with either yourself or your partner and you're not getting anywhere, reach out to Emily because mm -hmm. she can help you get through that hump to make everything mm -hmm. better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. I guess the last thing is like, if there's a lot of fight, if the relationships are suffering. Mm -hmm. So the relationships are kind of um, an extension of how we're feeling about ourselves. So if there's disconnection, if there's fighting, there's probably um, inner turmoil or, you know, disconnection with ourselves. Um, so um, yeah, that's another rabbit hole that I'm, my, I'm rerouting my brain to stay in this moment. But yeah. um, sure. yes, <laughs> in general, stuckness is uh, a place to get outside resources because you can have so much more um, fulfillment in your life. Um, but sometimes we just don't know how to access that. We don't have the tools. We don't know how to get unstuck. Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone listening, if y'all have other topics related to women's sexuality that you want us to cover, I can bring Emily back on and we can go down some of these rabbit holes. I think there's some okay. areas we could cover. So reach out to her if you need help getting unstuck or reach out to me if you have other topics or questions you want us to dive into related to this topic. I think um, 
I think it's necessary that we all have these conversations because we all need a full life. And this really is part of having a full life. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're having pain with intercourse, reach out to me. That's my specialty area. And um, that's kind of a different ball game than what we've been talking about today, but I wanted to just bring it up quickly. I don't want to stay there at all. Anything else, any last words of wisdom, anything to leave our listeners with? Um, Yes, sure. The, the biggest thing that I always come back to is um, you are perfectly okay. You are perfectly normal. Um, Feeling a fulfilling life is uh, you deserve it. Everyone deserves it. And it's within your reach. And, um, and like you have so many more strengths and resources than you probably realize. So it's a matter of kind of unlocking, giving yourself permission to have more of a a joyful, fulfilled life. I love that. All right. How can people reach out to you? Okay. Um, My website is thrivecounselingsolutions.com. So that's my business, Thrive Counseling Solutions. Um, email Thrive Counseling Solutions at gmail.com. And I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram. My Instagram is health gone mental, one, all one word. Um, so those are ways to reach out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest again. Thank you for having me, Amy. Always a pleasure. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I know we're starting to come out of our pandemic a little bit. By the time this episode is released, I think Nashville, even Davidson County will be opening up. So that's mm-hmm. exciting slash terrifying. So many emotions related <laughs> to that. But I just want to thank everybody for um, bearing with all of us through this pandemic. I know all of my podcasts have had dogs barking and kids coming in and cats and everything uh-huh. Uh it's been great too so just thank you so much for the feedback and the continuing of support and thank you so much Emily everybody have a great week and I'll talk to y'all soon